Uh, thank you very much, Rabbi Winston. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for doing all that you do to enhance uh, the work that we do at Yeshiva University uh, on behalf of our entire community. We're getting uh, close to Shavuos, and I wanted to uh, share a little bit about what it means to think about experiencing uh, Kabbalah Torah uh, this year uh, in particular. Um, I do hope that you all have access to the handout uh, that I uh, arranged, I hope, through Rabbi Winston to be available to all of you. Uh, maybe, Rabbi Winston, can you put it up in the chat? Is there a way to put a link? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, and in particular, obviously, uh, where we begin now and we uh, focus now very much under the impact of Achenu B'nai Yisrael and Medinat Yisrael, we, we can't uh, say a word uh, without acknowledging the tremendous challenges that our uh, families, our brothers and sisters and children and parents and our virtual brothers and sisters, uh, the Jewish people are experiencing. Uh, this on the heels of what happened in Meron, I feel uh, just one punch after another, and it's hard for me uh, to find a place for myself, a place of menucha sanefesh, to really begin to focus on uh, the upcoming Shavuos holiday. But I want to keep that in the back of our minds. I would like our learning uh, this evening uh, to be Le'ilu uh, Nishmas, those who died or were killed, and the Le'refu Shalema for those who uh, who are ill and injured, and uh, how necessary it is for us to constantly keep them in our minds. Um. In keeping with the uh, holiday of Pesach, I would like to ask uh, four questions. I would like to draw attention to four questions, all of uh, which relate to the holiday of Shavuot, and then come up with what I hope is one overarching theme that perhaps brings them all together and hopefully will make Shavuot for us uh, a little bit more meaningful. On page one, there's a Gemara in Masachas Erevin, Daf Samachayamidbeis. I know there's a lot of Hebrew here in this uh, handout, but I will be translating everything that needs to be translated, I hope. Uh, I'm sorry that you're not in front of me, so uh, you can't let me know if things are uh, difficult and need further explanation, but I will try to assume that everything that I read will be, will be translated so that all of you uh, should feel totally engaged and comfortable. Amar Abilai, the second line of the Gemara, Samachay Medbez, Masachas Erevin, first source, top of page one. Bishlosha Dvarim Adam Nikar. A person can be known or can be identified, or you can tell a lot about a person, Rashi, Imhogun, who, if you want to know if somebody is proper and appropriate, so you examine the following three aspects, and this will make that determination. Bekoso, bekiso, ubekaaso. Bekoso means a cup. Uh, kiso, a kiss, is a purse, literally a pocket or a purse. And kaaso, kaas means anger. Rashi, bekoso, imdato miyusheves alav bieno. Rashi says, can he hold his liquor? 
Uh, can that person uh, still continue to concentrate even after they drank wine? So that's what he means by cup, koso. Kiso, kishenose venosein imbeneyodam imbeemunahu ose. Your pocket, your money. Do you operate in business with uh, honor, with uh, justice, uh, with uh, righteousness? Are, are you uh, are you doing the right things when you do business? Are you doing nasasa venasata beemuna in good faith? Pocket, and the third is kaaso she'eno kapdan yosemidai. You're not extra short-tempered. You don't extra have a temper. So. Apparently, it's okay to have a temper sometimes, but it's not. Uh, it's not uh, yosemidai. You're not walking around as someone who is uh, an impatient person who gets angry. So the first question I want to ask is: Is that it? Is that the best that we could do to try to understand what these three categories are? And why am I mentioning it now in a shir about shavuos? Uh, what does this have to do uh, particularly with Shavuos? Question number one. Question number two brings me to an institution that uh, has a long history, uh, many centuries, and that is the Tikkun Leil Shavuos. So there is a custom to uh, stay up on Shavuos night, and not just to stay up on Shavuos night, but to learn particular texts. The earliest reference that I'm aware of that we have to this custom is at the bottom of page one. This comes from the Zohar. Uh, the Zohar surfaced in the Jewish world in the 13th century. So you have the original text of the Zohar and you have a Hebrew translation. Let's read from the Hebrew translation, which I will translate into English. Chasidim Rishonim, the early pietists, they didn't sleep that night, the night of Shavuot. They stayed up Shavuot's night studying Torah. Rabbi Shimon Kachamar, Rabbi Shimon said, I'm not sure, but I imagine maybe it has Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who's the general major figure who is very central to the Zohar. Rabbi Shimon Kachamar, so the, the Hevra used to gather together uh, on this night and they used to come to hear Torah from him. And this is what he used to say. Let us come to prepare the ornaments for the uh, bride. So that tomorrow she should come before the king all dressed up. So we're now dressing up the bride. Uh, Not sure exactly who the bride is. It could be ourselves. Uh, It could be the Torah. So that tomorrow uh, the Torah will uh, march before king, namely God, all fully uh, uh, sartorially uh, splendorous. And that's why we have, um, we're staying up all night. Now, I, I bring you uh, on top of that, I came across this year for the first time when I was preparing this uh, presentation. I came across a tshuva of Rabbi Vadya Yosef in Yechave Da'as, uh, the great uh, late uh, Sephardi chief rabbi of, uh, of Israel and uh, 
just mind-boggling uh, rabbinic Torah scholar who uh, has a uh, tshuva, has a whole responsum in uh, this collection of response of his called Yechavadas about what topics should we be covering on Shavuos night? Is it a free-for-all? Can we learn whatever we want? Or is it uh, structured for us? And in fact, I mentioned earlier that Tikkun Leil Shavuos is actually a book. It's a volume. You can go to the library and take it out and it presents to us in Syriatim various texts, a selection from Torah, selection of Vim, Ksuvim, Mishnah, Gemara. They're a selection of the primary texts that, uh, can, that make up the Jewish canon and their selections of it. So we ex- essentially are, are structured and bidden uh, to follow the Tiko Leil Shavuot, not to determine what it is that we would like to study, but it is already given for us. And uh, he, uh, in a footnote uh, to this tshuva, uh, describes a very interesting exchange between the Gaon of Vilna and the Dubna Magid. So there's a whole uh, lore about the relationship between these two great figures. And uh, Jewish tradition has put all kinds of uh, stories into the mouths of both of these uh, luminaries. And they have conversations. And as you uh, may know, the Dubna Magid always gave a mushal. He always uh, taught what he taught, not directly, but he always constructed first a parable, told a story, and then drew some conclusion and association from the parable to the point that he was trying to make. So Rabbi uh, Ovadia Yosef tells us that uh, stories told about the custom of the Gaon of Vilna we're now in the, uh, towards the end of the 18th uh, century. The Golna Vilna used to actually follow this, the, the script of the Tikkun. And story is told that the Dubna Magid was not uh, following the script of the Tikkun, but he was learning Gemara. And they're studying in the same Beit Midrash. The Golna Vilna, fair assumption, was in Vilna. Fair assumption if the Dubna Magid was having a conversation with him on Shavuos night. He was in Vilna. So they're sitting in a base medrash in Vilna. The, 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 the Gaon of Vilna digs into his suitcase, pulls out the Tikkun, starts to read and to study the Tikkun. And the Dubna Magid pulls in, uh, digs into his suitcase and he pulls out a Gemara. At which point, the Gra, the Gaon says, why aren't you following the Tikkun? We have a tradition to follow the Tikkun. So the uh, Dubna Magid, as was his want, W-O-N-T, responded by a parable. Avrech Echad, the end of the fourth line in the middle of page one, there was this uh, young uh, young man, La'acher chasuna soha He gets married, and uh, he's a lady gayer. He doesn't do anything, he just sits there. So his father-in-law says to him, you know, Tyra, Tyra Adam, I mean, you know, what are you doing? You're just wasting your time. Why don't you go into business? So the, the young man says, business? What do I know from business? My whole life I was sitting fetching the bank somewhere. I was learning. I don't know how to, I don't know how to go into business. Uh, how can I go into business? So the father-in-law said, it's very simple. Go down to the show, go to the marketplace and look into the show windows and see what the merchants put into the show windows. 
and you'll figure out how to run your business. You'll take it and put it into the, you'll, you'll rent a store and you'll put the stuff in the show window and you'll open up a business. Okay, Schwerleben, very nice. I'll be happy to do that. He goes, he sees what's going on, does a survey, and then he goes and he buys a couple of items and he hangs them up in front of the window. But the inside of the store is empty. I mean, that he didn't hop. He didn't walk into the store. He saw the store window, the show window. So he does what his father-in-law said. He sees a show window. It has items. So he goes and he puts items in a show window. And nothing happens. Obviously, nothing happens. His father-in-law starts to mock him when he finds out. This is the Dubna Magid's mushal to explain why he's learning Gemara and he's not learning the Tikkun Le'a Shavuos. His father-in-law says, wait a minute. He says, the merchants are putting in the window objects that they have in the store. So it's a come on for people to know what they're selling to come in. But it's ridiculous for you to put into the window to, to publicize, to act on something outside without anything inside. It's, it doesn't make any sense. It's obvious. Says the Dubna Magad, listen, you, the Gaon of Vilna, you got it all inside. You have Torah, Nevi'im, Ksuvim, Gemara, Medrash, uh, Mishnah. You got it all inside. So on Shavuos night, you pack out a little bit, a little piece of this, a little piece of this, a little piece of that. But I'm not so wise like you. I don't have so much wisdom like you have. All I know is Gemara. So when it comes to Shavuos night, that's what I stick into my show window. Everybody puts into their show window only what they have inside. If they don't have it inside, what's the point of putting it on a show So this raises the question uh, of, is there a script? I must tell you, uh, I am not very proud of this, but I've reached the stage and the age in my life where I simply cannot sustain staying up a whole night on Shavuos. Uh, There were years in my life when Baruch Hashem, I did have the stamina, but uh, that... uh, is no longer the case for me. And when I did have the stamina, and for all those uh, decades that I was a rabbi, I didn't read Tikkun Leil Shavuos with my congregants, but I chose interesting topics that I thought were interesting. I actually had a custom that I cycled through the Ten Commandments. Every year I started, I started with the first, the next year the second, the third year the third, and then I found other interesting things. Um, when I was learning in yeshiva long before I became a rabbi and I stayed up all night. So I learned with my chavrus. I learned whatever it is that we wanted to learn. We wanted to finish the mesechta. We had we had what to do. So there is a discussion about to what extent are we bound by the tikkun lel shavuos. And the consensus pretty much is that we're not bound by it, that the Dubna Magid was onto something. And his marshal is an interesting one. You show what you have inside. You don't have it inside, you're not going to show it. But what interests me most in the context of staying up all night of Shavuos is, where does this come from? When did it become popular? And why do we do it? I'm interested in why do we do it? So if you look at the top of page two, this comes from, this probably the most famous uh, 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 source for the uh, unfolding of staying up all night of Shavuos. Um, it's pretty easy Hebrew. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I don't have time. I'll just summarize. This is from the Shlah, 
Rabbi Yeshaya Horowitz, Shnei Luchot Habrit, very, very uh, famous uh, Jewish thinker in Poland in the uh, 17th uh, century, and uh, very prominent, very uh, influential. And he quotes here from Rabbi Shlomo Alkabatz, the uh, four lines from the end of the uh, thick uh, letters on the top right of page two, V'u'atak mechtav ha-mekubal Rabbi Shlomo Alevi Alkabatz, Shehoya metchaber bebayet shel Rabbeinu Beit Yosef. So you you probably know, and it would be interesting for you to know, that Rabbi Shlomo Alkabetz, um, who's Rabbi Shlomo Alkabetz? If I was in a room with you, I would ask you to raise your hand. Shlomo Alkabetz is the author of the Lechadodi, um, and uh, very well known, uh, lived in Tzfat, a contemporary of Rabbi Yosef Karo. Uh, his name was uh, Shlomo, Shlomo Alkabetz. Uh, the first, uh, the uh, first couple of stanzas of Lachadodi are Shin Lamid Memhe, and that explains something that I wondered for a long time. The phrase is Zachar V'Shamar B'Diborechad. The Talmudic phrase is Zachar V'Shamar B'Diborechad, because Zachar is the first of the Aserasa Dibros for Shabbat, and Shamar is the second. But yet in the Lachadodi, it doesn't say Zachar V'Shamar. It says, Shamar V'zachar B'diborechad. The answer is very simple, that his name was Shlomo. So it had to start with a shin. Had his name been Zlomo, it would have started the way it should have started, Zachar V'shamar. But his name was not Zlomo, it was Shlomo. So he flipped it for the sake of the acronym. So that's Rabbi Shlomo uh, Alkabetz. He is a contemporary of Rabbi Yosef Karo. They're living in Sfat in the 16th century. I am sure that many of you have been to Tzfat, I have no doubt, and I am sure that many of you who have been to Tzfat have been to the cemetery in Tzfat. And if you go to the cemetery in Tzfat, sure enough, in very close proximity, you have Rabbi Yosef Karo, you have Rabbi Shlomo Alkabetz, and you also have the Ari, Rabbi Yitzchak uh, Luria. These were contemporaries who lived in the same place at the same time. And he tells a story here, Rabbi Shlomo Alkabetz, of sitting together with Rabbi Yosef Karo in Tzfat, studying Torah on the night of Shavuot, staying up and learning. And they have this vision that comes to them. And the vision says, you have no idea the kind of an impact you're having in the heavenly space that I am depressed and uh, we need help and I am overcome with sadness, but your Torah study is sustaining me. It's a very moving and uh, very interesting story. But let's get to why do we do that? Why do we stay up all night of Shavuos? What's the, what's the specific significance of it? Uh, that's my question number two. Question number one is kiso, koso, kaso, cup, uh, pocket, anger. What's going on? Question number two is why do we stay up on Shavuos nights? If you look at the bottom of page two, uh, the Magen Avram, Rabbi Abraham Gombiner, who lived in the 17th century, wrote a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, and it quotes a very famous Medrash. Isa Bezohar. It's a uh, a little bit more than halfway down on the bottom right of page two. Isa B'Zohar. 
שחסידים הראשונים היו נעורים כל הלילה. וחסידים הראשונים would stay up the whole night. We saw the text, חסידים הראשונים. In the original, in the Zohar, at the bottom of page one, חסידאי קדמאי. That's exactly the phrase that the uh, early pietists would stay up. ואוסקים בתורה, וכבר נוהגו רוב הלומדים לעשות כן. By now, by the time we come to the 17th century, it's not just the holy rollers, it's not just the heiliger pietists, but this has pretty much become uh, an accepted custom. Maybe one can suggest a reason, on a, a simple uh, reason. Listen to this. The night before the Jews got the Torah, they were sleeping. And the morning comes, and God shows up, and the shul is empty. There's nobody there. They're all sleeping. God had to wake him up. Guys, come on. I'm giving you the Torah. What are you doing? Get out of bed. So we have to fix this. This is really a, this is a terrible oversight. We have to fix it. And the Medrash is found at the top of page three. I brought you the Medrash so you should have it in case you're interested. But the Medrash tells us this. Story and the Medrash also gives a mashal here, gives a parable, parable, and the and the nimshal is the night before Kabbalah Satora, the Jews are sleeping, and there's nobody home when God wants to give the Torah. I don't know about you, but I find it really hard to uh, wrap my mind around this. I don't know if I was getting the Torah tomorrow and God was coming to talk to me. I don't know. I don't know if I'd oversleep. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe they were so excited that they were going to get the Torah. They needed a couple hours of extra sleep. So they had the strength to be able to assimilate and to understand. I don't really know, but what can I do? It's a medrash. And the medrash is cited by the Magen Avram as a, a, a Tam Poshut to explain why we stay up all night. So my second question is, is come on. I mean, is that's it? Is that why we stay up all night? We stay up all night because we have to fix and rectify a mistake that our ancestors made because nobody was home when God showed up to give them the Torah. Maybe there's something else here that might be of significance. Question number three, bottom half of page three. Question Number three, question number one is cup and pocket and anger. Question number two is why Why do we stay up all night? Is it really only because we're making up for Nebuch, this terrible mistake that our bubbies and zadies made a, a 3,000 years ago? Question number three, the Gemara says that there's a machlokes uh, in the Gemara how does one comport oneself on Yom Tif? So one opinion is, Rabbi Eliezer Omer, it's about 15 lines from the bottom. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, You have a choice. You can either have a good time and drink and, and eat and have a wonderful meal, or you sit and study. Either you're involved in physical pleasures or in 
intellectual pleasures. It's an either or. You could do this or you could do that. It's up to you. The second opinion of the Gemara is, no, you have to do both. It's not an either or proposition, but you should do both and you divide the day in half. Part of the day you study and part of the day you have a meal and you enjoy eating and drinking. Continues the Gemara, six lines from the bottom, Amr Abelazar, Hakol modim ba'atzeres, the be'ina nami lochem. Everybody says that when it comes to Shavuos, you have to be ochel v'shosem. Everybody says, it's not an option. Even according to the person who says, normally it's either this or that, well, that does not apply to Shavuos. Shavuos, for sure, you have to make sure that you have a nice meal and that you enjoy yourself. Why? What's the reason, my timer? What's the reason? Yom shenitnabo Torah. Because that's the day that the Torah was given. So because that's the day that the Torah was given, we should enjoy ourselves. Look at Rashi. The Be'ina Nami Lachem, about 10 lines from the bottom, in the bottom left corner of page three, that on Shavuos, we must eat and drink. Shavuos, we have to have physical pleasure. We should celebrate the holiday with eating and drinking. Laharos. I want you to just bracket that word, Laharos. We're going to come back to it, which means to demonstrate. This is such a great day. We're so thrilled about this day that the Torah was given. So we're going to top it up. And we're going to have a gazinta, a gazinta steak and lamb chops and uh, all kinds of uh, wonderful uh, food and, and drink and a fancy uh, single malt because we're celebrating the Torah. So my third question is, I would have thought it would be the other way around. I would have thought that in honor of having received the Torah, Rabbi Eliezer would say, you know what? On Shavuos, make sure you study a little Torah. See, on the other holidays, you don't have to study Torah. It's Ochel Vishose, O Yoshe Vishone. You can go through the whole holiday and not study Torah, and, and that's that you fulfill Simchas Yamtiv. But on Shavuos, you can't do that because wait a minute. Today, it's really all about what the, the Torah is, is the central aspect of, of this holiday. So for sure, you got to study something. But that's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara says in the name of Rabbi Lazar that on Shavuos, in order to celebrate the giving of the Torah, you should have like a gazunta polki. You got to have a gazunta shtickel flesh. What does that mean? What's the significance? Question number three. Question number four. Question number four is, you and I know that whenever we do a mitzvah for the first time, whenever we come across a mitzvah that is not ongoing, but every once in a while. So after we make the birchas mitzvah, we make a shechiyanu. And we thank God, shechiyanu v'kiyamanu v'giyanu l'azman hazeh. If we make kiddush on a yamtiv, shechiyanu v'kiyamanu v'giyanu l'azman hazeh. You take the lula for the first time, shechiyanu v'kiyamanu v'giyanu l'azman hazeh. Whenever we, uh, you light a, the first night to Hanukkah, Why is it 
that for Sfiras HaOmer, tonight is 47 nights. I hope you could still say it with a bracha. That would be like a major, a major contribution. That's amazing. Because we're like uh, winding down. Um, give your kids prizes if they make it all the way. But but a gazunta prize, because to, to show them how really special this is. And we're up to 47. But so 47 nights ago, when we said one, it was... Uh, 354 minus 49 from the last time we said one. So why don't we make a Shechianu for Sviras HaOmer? It's a mitzvah and uh, it's a machlokis, is it a Doraisa, is it a Darabana, but we say Asher Kiddishanu B'Mitzvosa V'Tzivanu Al Sviras HaOmer and we say it 49 times, hopefully. So why don't we say a Shechianu for Sviras HaOmer? That's my last question. Okay, I'm summarizing now. Question number one, Kiso, Koso, Kaso. Um, my uh, Koso, my, my, uh, my cup, my pocket, my anger. What does that have to do with Shavuos? What's going on here? Is it that I hold my liquor? Rashi says I hold my liquor. That, that just about takes care of the significance of this. Or is there something else? Question number two is why do we really, what's, what, what, can we do better? Can we say something else as to why we stay up all night Shavuos? Not just we're making up for a mistake, but maybe there's something proactively significant. Question number three, why do we uh, eat and drink? We have to make sure that we eat and drink on Shavuos because uh, the Torah was given. No, I would have thought it's the other way around. I would have thought on Shavuos, you have to make sure that you study Torah because the Torah was given. And the fourth question is, why do we not make a bracha of Shehechiyanu for Sfiras HaOmer? Those are my questions. I want to begin with question number four and work backwards. So I bring you at the top of page four, a tshuva of the Radbaz. Rabbi David Ibn Abi Zimra. The Radbaz was born at the end of the 15th century. He was born in Spain. In 1479, you know what happened to him in 1492? His uh, Abba Nazima said, uh, David, David, we're out of here. We're leaving Spain. We're getting expelled in 1492. And he travels. He actually ends up in Tzfat for a while. For some reason, he leaves Tzfat. He comes to Morocco. He goes to Fez. And then he ends up spending a significant amount of time in Cairo, in Egypt. And he becomes the Chacham Bashi, becomes what we would call the chief rabbi of Egypt. And uh, he lives so through the last, into the last quarter of the uh, 16th century. Very, very, very formidable uh, scholar and uh, rabbinic leader, Talmud Chacham, and uh, and, uh, a communal influencer. So uh, he has a tshuva here at the top of page four. Sha'alta lama lo tiknu shechiyonu b'sfiras ha'omen. He asks this question. And he says the following. Let's look five lines from the bottom. After a little bit of a back and a forth, he explains why we do not say Shechiyanu on Sfiras HaOmer. Shekol mitzvah shehi hachana mitzvah acheres. I'll translate this in a moment. Tiknu. Sheyavarech Shehechiyanu ala mitzvah ha'ikarit 
So if I do something, what's hachana? Hachana means preparation. So if I do something that's a preparation, if I do a mitzvah, that's preparation for another mitzvah, and the other mitzvah is the ikr, is the is the more uh, significant one. This is a preparation for that one. That's the main one. Says the Radbaz, I make a bracha for the main one, the Shechianu, and it goes both ways. It goes back to cover the hachana mitzvah, the act that I'm doing to prepare, and it takes care of the actual mitzvah itself. I'm going to repeat it again. Ani Omer, shekol mitzvah shehi hachana mitzvah acheres, any mitzvah that we do, it is a mitzvah. I acknowledge that it's a mitzvah. It's not just schlepping bamboo to put on top of my uh, sukkah. It's a mitzvah. I make a bracha, share kedushanu mitzvosa But if it's a hachana, what's the point? The purpose of Sirius Omer, it's a hachana, le mitzvah So there, tiknu sheyavarech shechiyonu ala mitzvah ha'ikarit. We make shechiyonu on the core mitzvah. And upoter eshteyen that takes care of both. Hilkach. Sfiras HaOmer, he hachana la'atzeres. Why do we count the Omer? First day of the Omer, second day of the Omer, third day of the Omer, the 47th day of the Omer. It's preparing for Shavuos. Because the Torah says, Shiva Shavuos Tisparlach, count seven weeks. And then is the holiday of Shuos. Vasisa, next line, Chag Shavuos Lashem Elokech. Vekiven shei mitzvah tuluya be'acheres. Since Svirat HaOmer does not stand on its own as a fully complete unit, but it is tied into, and it is a preparation for, and in a sense, therefore, secondary to the mitzvah of the holiday of Shavuot. Mivarech Bechag HaShavuot, you make Shachiyonu and Shavuot, and it goes for both. I bring you at the bottom of page four, and at the top of page five, other sources, the bottom of page four is, is Mordechai Yaffa, who was a contemporary of Rabbi Yosef Karo and Rabbi Shlomo Alkabetz and Rabbi Isaac uh, Luria, who lived in the uh, 16th century, and Rabbi Moshe Isserlis. He lived in Poland uh, in, the, uh, in the 16th century. He wrote a Shulchan Aruch also, it's called the Levush, the Levushim. There are multiple volumes, all known as the Levush. And in his section here on uh, the laws of Shavuot, he writes, and uh, it, there should be an arrow, I believe, on the page. We need it for the holiday. It serves the purpose of Shavuos. Again, we see it's not an independent obligation, but it's an obligation that is tied in with the holiday of Shavuos. And we're so mech, we depend upon the Shechionu that we're going to say for Shavuos. And he goes on here to say, talks about how the reason why we count the Omer is because the Jews knew 
And this is the same text at the top of page five from the Shiboli Aleket, a 13th century uh, Italy. And I'll summarize them both for you. And should you be so inclined on Shavuos night, you could uh, open up this uh, handout and take a look at it. That the Jews were so excited when they left Egypt, they knew, Moshe told them, that we're not just leaving Egypt to wander in a desert, but we're leaving Egypt, that when we're going to leave Egypt, we're going to end up on a mountain. We're going to end up near a mountain. And on that mountain, God is going to reveal himself. And God is going to give us the Torah. So they leave Egypt pumped, prepared, excited, anticipating the giving of the Torah. And so what do you do? You count. You count the days. How many days? So one option is you count 49, 48, 47. You count down. We don't count down. We count the number of days beginning with one. But the point is the same. We count the days. I remember when I was engaged. I can't imagine I'm the only one. There are probably others as well. I counted the days until my wedding. Mamish, I counted the days. Day one, day two, day three, day four because it's something that I'm really excited about and anticipating and looking forward to with breathless anticipation. So I understand this rationale. My God, the Torah is coming. That's great. God, God is going to reveal himself. And so we count all towards the receiving of the Torah. And so therefore, what is the sphera mitzvah? It doesn't stand on itself. It's not an independent, fully self-enclosed obligation, but it is connected to Shavuos. It's day by day, we're getting closer, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. So many, so many days, so many, so many weeks, we're closer and closer. And therefore, says the Radbaz, says Rab Mordechai Yafa, we do not say a Look at the Sefer HaChinuch in the middle of page five. And the Sefer HaChinuch also makes this as his rationale and uses a word that we already encountered earlier. And I was putting this together. I, I want to give credit to um, Yerach Lamoadim by Rabbi Rucham Olshin. Rabbi Rucham Olshin is one of the Rashi Yeshiva of the Lakewood Yeshiva. And in the last, I don't know, two years or so, I have become enamored with this Sefer, Yerach Lemoadim. He's got it on pretty much all the Moadim, and he works through different sugis, and it's so clear and so beautifully written and just totally organized. And I find it to be inspiring. And uh, this section about why we do not make a bracha on Sfiris Omer. I uh, took from, and I owe Rabbi Olshin and want to give him a Hakar Satov. So he quoted these sources, and then he quotes the Sefer Achinuch. Sefer Achinuch, Shinvav, middle of page five, Mitzvah Sfiras Omer, the Mitzvah of Sfiras Omer. And he describes what the Mitzvah of Sfiras Omer is. And in the second uh, column on the left side, where it's underlined, the middle of page five, we're obligated to count from the day after the first day of Pesach. 
Ad yom nesinas ha-Torah, leharos, underline leharos, to demonstrate benafshenu, ha-chefetz, ha-godol, el, ha-yom, ha-nichbad, ha-nichsof How much we're looking forward to, how much we're so excited about, how much we want, we're yearning, we're pining, we're pining for this. Sfiros HaOmer is laharos. Sfiros HaOmer is to anticipate, and not just to anticipate, but it means to demonstrate. To demonstrate overtly, publicly, that we are excited about something. Let's now go backwards. Question number three was, why do we eat and drink on Shavuos? Because we're celebrating the giving of the Torah. Should we not be studying Torah for sure, celebrating the giving of the Torah? So go back to Rashi at the bottom of page three, and I'll read it again. Says Rashi that we must have food and drink on Shavuos. Leharos. For this this year, the word laharos jumped out at me. Laharos to demonstrate. How can I best demonstrate my excitement about something? By studying, sitting in front of a book, or by having a meal that gives me pleasure and enjoyment. And give having a meal that gives me pleasure and enjoyment, not just by myself, but the Ramam already elsewhere talked about how we have an obligation to invite others to share, to celebrate. So if I want a laharos, the way to the laharos, and I'm defining laharos as to demonstrate, to act, to be public, I do that by eating and drinking. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And that's a better way, I believe, I'm suggesting, to demonstrate my, my absolute thrill and joy and excitement. So, of course, Torah is central. And, of course, we should study Torah on Shavuos. But we should, we should enjoy Shavuos. Do you know something? Torah is real. Torah is real. Torah is meant to deal with us as real human beings. We're not angels. The Torah is meant to address our reality where it is. And guess what? We like food. We're human beings. We like food. So let's enjoy the food. We're not malachim. Let's do it in a way that we get physical pleasure from. And that's the laharos. Just like the Sefer Achinuch uses the word laharos, that word, to demonstrate in the context of explaining Sfiros HaOmer, which then the Radbaz and Rabbi Mordechai Yafa used to explain why we don't make a Shechianu, because it's about laharos for something else. Rashi uses that to answer number three. Question number three is, my God, we're people. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it. I know that study could be very enjoyable. If you 
work through a sugya, you learn something interesting, intriguing. It's enjoyable. It is enjoyable. But it's very solitary. It's very personal. It's very interior. To be more laharos, to demonstrate it, is to my mind significant in it being expressed via food and drink. The bottom of page five, I bring you a very famous Rambam where the Rambam uses the word laharos when it comes to the Pesach Seder. So I'm actually beginning to collect uh, laharoses in rabbinic literature. I just came across this this year for the first time. So I've got now three, three of them. And I think I'm on to something. I think I'm on to something that, that we've got to demonstrate. We've got to act on it. Now let's go to uh, question number two. Why do we stay up all night, Shavuos? Why do we stay up all night, Shavuos? Oh, at least why should we stay up all night, Shavuos? Or at least why would we wish if we could stay up all night, Shavuos? Don't feel guilty if you don't stay up all night, Shavuos. Don't feel guilty. You do your best. You know what? There's a long day the first day. There's a long day the second day. Take out a chumash, read something, study something. Instead of hanging out, maybe go to a class. You could, uh, you'll do that in the afternoon. Make the afternoon uh, worthwhile. But why do we stay up? Look at the uh, Ibn Ezra at the top of page six. Ibn Ezra at the top of page six in his uh, commentary on Shemos. Torah says that God came to them in advance and said, get ready, get ready. That's actually tonight. Tonight and tomorrow ushers in the period of the Shloshes Yemei Hagbola, the three days of separation or of preparation. And God told them to prepare themselves. Says the Ibn Ezra at the top of page six, Ulay lo yishan adam bohem balayla. It's better that you shouldn't sleep at night, the night before Kabbalah Satora. So you should be able to hear God in the morning and not oversleep. And he gives a parallel. Why is a Kohen Gadol stay up on the night of Yom Kippur? To prepare for the next day. To be laharos, the significance of the next. How can you sleep? How can you possibly sleep? You're preparing. There's a lot of writing on the next day. So you're thinking about it. You're anticipating it. You're excited about it. That's why we stay up the night of, of Shavuos. It's not only because of the Medrash quoted by the Magen Avram, because we better like fix a mistake that our Bubbies and Zadies made. You know, they overslept, so we, we have to be metaking that. But 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 we're so we're so excited and we demonstrate. That's my point. We demonstrate our we demonstrate our excitement by staying up. We demonstrate our excitement about Shavuos by saying Sfiras HaOmer, by counting the Omer. We demonstrate our joy of accepting the Torah because we eat and we drink, and that's how we show how special the getting of the Torah is. Which brings me to my first question. Kiso, Koso, and Kaso. Again, the Gemara says, and uh, the Gemara says it. Let's go back to the top of page one. 
Amar Rabbi Lai b'shlosha dvarim adam nikar bekoso bekiso bekaso. So Rashi says, I remind you, koso cup is can you hold your liquor? Kiso is do you do business honestly? And kaso is that you're not such a kapdan, you're not so short tempered. My late father, Rabbi Herschel Schachter, once uh, shared the following with me, and he had a different take on these three. If you want to get the measure of a person, first of all, look at Koso. Koso, he interpreted, what is it that I raise my cup for? What is it in this world that I celebrate? You know, you raise your cup, you make a lachayim. What do I make a lachayim for? What is it that I feel? is worthy of saying l'chayim, that I want to celebrate. A person is defined by how they consider what they consider celebratory worthy. What's eh and what's wow, that's really, that's significant. Number two is kiso, my pocket. My pocket is what do I spend my money on? What are my priorities? What do I take dollars out of my pocket for? What do I invest in? The first is, what do I celebrate? The second is, what do I invest in? And the third one, Kaso, is what do I get passionate about? What makes me really excited and passionate and jumping up and down and absolutely engaged in? What is it that really bothers me, that makes me want to get in there and do something? And what is it that I do? If you want to know what a person is, what does that person celebrate? What does that person spend money on? What is that person's priorities? And what is that person's passion? What's the passion that a person has? In one of his novels, the late Alan Payton has one of his characters say the following. Alan Payton was a very famous uh, novelist. He came from South Africa. I remember uh, when I was uh, maybe elementary school, or probably elementary school, I read a book called Cry the Beloved Country. Maybe I'm dating myself, but some of you may be familiar with that, the book. And Alan Payton said the following. He had one of his... Uh, Characters say, when I shall ascend to heaven, I think this is one of the most profound things that I've read in a long time. When I shall ascend to heaven, which I certainly intend to do, I will be asked, listen carefully, I will be asked, where are your wounds? Where are your wounds? W-O-U-N-D-S. When I will say I haven't any, I will be asked, was there nothing worth fighting for? And that is a question that I do not want to have to answer. What do we fight for? What do we fight for? And I want to talk about Israel here because it's obviously so much uppermost on my mind. Kiso, koso, kaso. If you want to get the measure of a person, how do they relate to Medinat Yisrael? The koso, they celebrate it. L'chaim. We celebrate that we have a state of Israel. Bekiso, it's a priority for us 
we spend money on it. We buy bonds. We travel to lobby for it. And Picasso gets us really exercised. We're totally invested. And what is it that we can do now? Shavuos 2021, Kabbalah Satora, for Israel. What do we do now? Israel is facing tremendous challenges and we're, we're distraught and we're concerned. So we need to figure out what to do. So obviously we have to daven. Obviously we have to make a donation to IDF or to some uh, health organizations. We, we, what are we going to do? We're not living there. But we have to engage. We have to call our congressmen. We have to make sure that America is supportive of Israel. We have to push back against op-ed pages like we saw in today's newspaper that are just terribly egregious. We, we, we have to cast, so we got to get angry. Now, what does this have to do with Shavuos? My father told me that each one of these correspond to a different one of the Shalash Regolah. Koso cup, which, which one of the Shalash Regolim is cup? Cup is Pesach. Pesach is all about cup. Kiso pocket, which one is pocket? Sukkis. Sukkis is Chag HaOsif. Sukkis, we celebrate the bringing together of the crop with, we're filling our pockets. So if Koso is Pesach and Kiso is Sukkis, Kaso is Shavuos. What we celebrate on this holiday is what gets us passionate. What are we passionate about? And we demonstrate passion, laharos, publicly. People look at us and know that we're passionate about that. It's impossible to be passionate internally. It's, 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 it, you're plotting. It's just oozing out. That's what passion is. That's what Kaso is. That's what Shavuos is. That's what it means to receive the Torah. And so I want to conclude with a very brief uh, review. Sukkot is about passion. And if Sukkot is about passion, it's passion that needs to be demonstrated. Why do we stay up on the night of Shavuos? Because we're demonstrating. It's not that necessarily only we're making up Nebuch for a mistake, but we're demonstrating our passion where we're excited. We want to, we want to hop around. We want to do something. We want to learn something. Number three, number three, the question number three was, um, why uh, do we eat and drink to celebrate the giving of the Torah? We should be studying Torah to celebrate the giving of the Torah. No, we eat and drink because we're human beings and that's how we celebrate. The Torah lo nitna ha Torah la malachi asharis. Rashi, what word does Rashi use? Laharos, we demonstrate. And number four, that's why there's no Shechianu for Sphiros HaOmer. Because Sphiros HaOmer is all about Laharos, the greatness of Shavuos. And so during this complicated, difficult time, we've got a couple of more days to think this through and maybe our preparation can begin uh, 
sooner than the night, uh, first night of Shavuos. God gave us a gift. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's easy. God gave us a gift called the Torah. The Torah governs our lives. The Torah gives meaning to our lives. And that's why we celebrate this holiday. But celebrate it with a sense of passion, a sense of conviction, a sense of public demonstration that what it represents matters to us. And uh, matters to us individually, matters to us as a people. While our focus is not at all for a moment removed from deep, deep concern and maybe after tonight action, more action, on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Israel. I wish all of you a good Ner of Shabbos, a good Ner of Yamtiv, and uh, next time we meet, we should meet under much happier circumstances. I wish all of you a good night. Thank you for coming. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Rabbi Schachter, for your, as always, inspiring and beautiful words and thoughts. Wish everyone a beautiful evening. Thank you all for joining us. Everyone should have a beautiful Shabbos and a beautiful Shavuos. God willing, please hope to join us in person next year for the Yeshiva University Shavuos program. Thank you all for joining. Have a good night, all.